We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Ecosse United podcast. It's uh, Alex Hurst, Paul Lyon, Rob Clothier sat in our office in Oosburn, Newcastle, and we have Norman Riley and Chris Shipman on the phone from London for today's podcast. We have got for you a full discussion of Newcastle United's glorious or not so glorious defeat at Carrow Road. Every lad in this podcast, apart from myself, was in the away end, so they're going to be doing the vast majority of the talking um, about the game and about what went wrong. So, lads, I'm going to take it away with, with Tales of the Weekend from Paul Lyon, first of all. How was your weekend? Where did you go and how did you get there? Um, I had a great weekend, thanks. Um, it was a good trip. We drove down on the Friday, um, leaving work around half eleven. Um, hitting lots of traffic due to the torrential weather um, and it generally being a Friday. Um, just a lot of things, a lot of factors going in there just to make it like the perfect time not to travel, basically. But... Um, I was good, and we got down to um, a place in North Norfolk, uh, seaside town of Cromer, um, where we stayed on a on a farm slash caravan park type place. Absolutely beautiful it was. Um, so we got to see uh, the lovely town of uh, of Cromer. Went to a few bars, had a had excellent uh, food on the right on the on the coastline, and uh, yeah, and just enjoy ourselves. And then um, on Saturday morning, I got the lads together and. Um, I got them to uh, go for a run because I'm currently training for the Great North Run, and just to make it a bit of a different away day. And not very often I've gone for got me running shoes on and uh, and went for it. Um, going up this massive hill and just seeing the whole the whole of the town. It was uh, despite the hangover, it was an excellent uh, experience. And then um, yeah, and then we made made plans to uh, get into into Norwich Town Centre. I uh, got the train. Um, and yeah, then we just started started drinking some some. Cracking beer and some excellent pubs. Um, some of the best pubs I've been into. Um, was the Red Lion, the, the Wigan Pen, and the Adam and Eve, uh, coaching horses, and amongst others. Um, just uh, just a really nice sort of quaint rural day. It was uh, it was lovely. Um, and I, I mean, in the next day, I was I was home by back in Newcastle by eleven a.m. and um, apparently there was a football match on at some at some point. Um, but uh, I'm sure we'll go into that uh, in more detail. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to uh, to Norman and Chris. Yeah, because I know it was a, a joint effort from you both. So, so both of you, can you tell the listeners about your trip? I, I don't know whether there was farm animals involved. Whether you can <laughs> confirm or deny that, that's just purely purely Paul's cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> how did you lads get on, uh, on on your trip to Norwich at the weekend? Um, 
uh, are absolutely fantastic Saturday out. Um, thoroughly enjoyable train journey up. Um, a nice, nice two hours, which is a, a good amount of time to have a big crack on and just kind of warm yourself up with a couple of breakfast cans of their Dead Pony Club, 3.8%. A good breakfast tickle, as I call it. Um, and then we went to a pub about a mile from the rail station called The Plasters, where I drank one of the best cask eels I've had in my entire life and had a frankly outrageous breakfast. And the pub also played brilliant music. Um, Chris, I think you'd, you'd agree that was some booze, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, it was fantastic. The music in there and the beer was brilliant. Uh, you mentioned the food. It was it was the perfect start to the day. Uh, unfortunately, it went slightly downhill from there, um, present company notwithstanding. Um, but yeah, I mean, the football was <laughs> the low light of the day. But Norwich is a, a great day out. And uh, yeah, football aside, really good fun. Yeah, well, we are nearly four minutes in this podcast, and that's the first mention of football. It did have to end at some point. <laughs> Rob, to bring to bring it down a bit, these sound like fantastic weekends, and you know what, going going to watch Newcastle away from home and then being shite isn't that new to any of us or anyone listening. But can you just describe your day? Because I don't think your day was as, as much fun. <laughs> no, that's that's a very fair, fair comment. <laughs> so my decision to go down was like fairly last minute. I didn't decide to go straight away when the tickets were on sale, so um, I had to get uh, the kids watched at home. So. Once I sorted that out, I uh, got myself a ticket and uh, just went down on my own, just drove down and back in the day. So um, I set off at half eight, um, which uh, turned out to be a bit late, actually, because I, I didn't even get to Norwich till after two o'clock. Um, so on the way down, I was like starting to panic a little bit. That I was going to miss, uh, miss kickoff. But, um, so I rocked up in Norwich just after two, dumped the car and uh, literally went straight to the stadium and met up with the lads, um, watched the match and then... <laughs> Said goodbye, drove home. <laughs> <laughs> the things you do for this ridiculous football club. Well, that's all the positives out of the way, if there were any from that. <laughs> Norman, come on, then you start us off. Um, I wasn't at the game. I've been totally reliant on you lads and various media reports and highlights. Was it as bad as everyone's making it out? Aye, absolutely. Um, even with hindsight, what, 48 hours later, and then, um, I'm still frankly staggered at how inept the performance was. Um, people getting mention the chance that Joe Linton had, the chance that Kraft had. Um, I, I don't even think it would be taken the lead. It would make a difference to be honest with you. Norwich was so utterly dominant. They dominated the ball. They dominated the turnover. They created the better chances. The players were up for it more. The crowd was really behind them. They had every single thing going for them that we didn't. Um, and we, looked, we, looked, we looked lost, overcrowded in certain parts of the pitch, left to wood space and others. Didn't really have any kind of attack and cohesion. The defence were utterly disorganised. And uh, nothing, nothing was done from the sidelines. No kind of in-game management. The match started off. It was almost like there wasn't even a plan at the start. And you know, you know what? Um, the the references to the the first half against Arsenal during the week. I mean, that was just clutching at straws because it was a poor first half against Arsenal. Um, it was just that Arsenal were, were poor as well. The second half was more indicative of, of the start of the match against Norwich, and then it actually got progressively worse from then on in. Um, I, I'm. I'm, I can't. I can't think of one single positive from that match. John Joe Shelby scored a good goal when we're three 0 down the second minute injury time. There's your positive there, but um, I'm, I'm I'm really fearful, and, and I think all those fears that I had when you know when Rafa left, regardless of it, this being even before Steve Bruce was appointed, just the, the sheer fact that Rafa had gone, this gigantic gaping loss was going to be felt, and I think we're seeing that already. Um, and I, and I don't want to get into this negative mindset so early on in the season, but I feel myself falling into it because I'm just feeling the feel I have is Steve McLaren, the feel I have is John Carver, the feel I have is um, 
uh, Alan Pardew, 2012-13, when we finished 16th and only stayed up with a, a win the penultimate match we ever seen against Keo PR. It's, it's looking, it was, it, it's looking bad and it was really bad in them. I don't know, I don't know where we go from here against Tottenham. I really don't. Yeah, there's a uh, very few positives to take from that. I mean, you know, I've got individual um, questions for all of you about the game, but Norman, just to follow up on what you've said there, you kind of said it started badly and, and got worse from there. You know, me and you this week, we're going to go right into it on the tra- the tactic show that we do for patrons. We're going to try and come up with some solutions for Steve Bruce rather than just mouthing off and podcasting <laughs> privately, but not that he listens. But, you know, what what was it? You know, Steve Bruce has talked about, I mean, he's been, to me, he's been really contradictory in his post-match comments. First of all, saying, well, you can't fault him for effort. And then he said, absolutely nothing was good enough um, and we didn't do the basics right. So as someone who wasn't there, who didn't watch it, what do you think he means by that? And does that make any sense? Do you still do you still think there was the effort there? And if so, what does not doing the basics entail if, if there was the effort there? I don't think um, you can blame the players that much because if they're out on the pitch, right? Let's let's look at this. And then, you know what? The, again, you know, we've we've um, re- we've all read Luke Edwards' article from today. We've seen various comments on, you know, from the players like Rafa's gone. We need to stop talking about Rafa, but you can't help because ultimately those players have been drilled to within. This sounds really, this sounds really sexual. <laughs> drilled drilled there with to within this, um, you know, like within an inch of their lives for like two, three, for the best part of three years. They've had explicit instructions as to what to do when they've gone out on that pitch, and that and that's what they've done. To all of a sudden going on the pitch without that, without that kind of tactical um, mindset, and the look lost. So I, I can't fault them for effort because you know they, they still run, they still run about. I mean that's effort, right? Running about effort, isn't it? Um, I don't think that there was a lack of trying. I just think that when you're on a pitch and you're not sure exactly what your role is, you're not sure what the person in front of you is doing, what the person behind you is doing, where you're supposed to move on the pitch, what formation the side's actually playing. When you're uncertain of all of that, then it must be really difficult, even if you're running around like a lunatic, to look as if you make an effort. Because ultimately, if you look lost, you don't look like you're making an effort. And I think that's what that's probably what the problem was. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to blame the players two games in for for that. That that to me smacked at a team that just did not know what it was supposed to be doing, and a team that has had its identity sucked out of it within within four or five weeks in the summer. Can either of you two lads that uh, Norman saying? He doesn't blame the players. It's it's more the manager. Uh, either of you two who are sat uh, with me here want to want to blame the players, not um, Paul. Yeah, thoughts uh, on the players. Oh, uh, I mean, ultimately they're the ones who step on over the white line and and uh, are only responsible for before putting themselves about. And but like if they haven't got something to follow in terms of a game plan, um, which I couldn't tell you what it was, they looked totally underprepared to me, um, which is like. The, the polar opposite of, uh, of Rafa's side. Um, again, we're, we're talking about Rafa, but um, like Norman says, he will probably will be until Christmas, or at least till we uh, get our first win, um, if that ever happens. But um, yeah, totally, <laughs> just they looked underprepared to me. Um, and I think when you haven't got like a, a set um, sort of like a, like a mind, your mindset on like the actual what the game plan is, because I, I seem like. Uh, Isaac Hayden on the right wing for most of that game, and it was just it looked alien to me. Um, and I think sometimes the, the players, if they don't know what they're doing, it's just they find themselves in these positions, and it just it didn't look nothing that it did looked natural. Um, oh. And I think um, quite a bit, quite a bit like the players were like they were like 
looking at each other rather than the the, uh, the manager. Norman was just going to come in there, Paul. Yep. So just a second, Norman, as Paul gets the headphones on, live action. Uh, I agree with what uh, Paul said there, and I think uh, the word that maybe um, you look for was, was disheartened. I think I think they looked disheartened very quickly because mm. I think, as you say, Isaac and Bale on the right, players almost looking at each other, or, at each other, wondering who was playing where. To me, it looked like they just very quickly became disheartened with what they were actually doing, mm. and that was the problem. And that again is going to be, you know, a byproduct of the fact that they've had one of the most tactically efficient managers in the league. Managing them for three years to go and overnight to somebody who has gone on record and said, I don't really do tactics. It is a huge, huge difference. And it's not a major surprise that they looked, as I say, lost very quickly. What would be interesting to me is, um, is again, someone didn't see the game. You've got Paul Dummett in the aftermath saying every single player needs to go and take a long, hard look at themselves. So, again, that's Paul Dummett saying this to the players. You've got Chris Woff in the Athletics saying that. There was some sort of coach home. Interesting to get the coach. Same as you, Rob. <laughs> Same with transport. <laughs> um, you know, this player kind of, you know, whatever whatever word you want to use, this kind of debrief where people were unhappy with each other. Bruce has brought them in the next day for training. And I'm not saying anyone right or anyone is wrong. Now, obviously, I, I firmly believe what you've just said there, Paul, and what Norman's just said. But, you know, Bruce is so contradictory in the things that he says. Like, it was this a tactical failure all round? Or was this the players not being good enough? And and it goes back to Luke Edwards on last week's podcast. And he's put out another article today, which has gained a lot of attention on on social media for the wrong, well, right or wrong reasons, depending on what side of the fence you sit. But one of the things he said last week, which I thought was interesting, is do the do some of these players think they're better than they are? So Isaac Hayden on the right wing, does Isaac Hayden see himself as a front foot midfielder taking players on, skinning players, putting balls into the box, and see Bruce? Well, I'd say rightly or wrongly, I'd say wrongly, is facilitating that. He's come in and said, right, lads, you were okay last season. How, how do you want to play this season? Where do you want to play? And then you've got John Joe Selby saying, I want to I want to sit in front of the back four pinger balls. Isaac Hayden wants to be your all-action midfielder. When actually what we need is we're two holding midfielders that Pep, uh, Pep Guardiola's man said he couldn't deal with, shielding the defence and allowing the attacking players the freedom and space to do what they need to do. So, I mean... You know, Rob, I'll, I'll come to you on that, and I'm, I'm pushing you on this because you have got this this feeling of it's all Bruce's fault, and, and I'm going to come on to it later. What I think about Steve Bruce and the stuff that's been talked about in the national media, particularly, but it seems to me that the players seem to be taking some responsibility, and also that you know Isaac Hayden down the right wing. Surely Isaac Hayden will be saying to Steve Bruce, "I don't want him to do a, to do a Kieran Dyer," but he's saying, "Surely he should be putting his hand up, saying, I'm not a I'm not a right winger.' What, what are you talking about, Steve?" Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we commented at the, at the match. I was stood, stood with Chris and Norman, and we couldn't quite figure out <laughs> where Hayden was sort of playing his trade in that match. It, he was kind of he was kind of a wing back in front of Kraft, who was playing right full back, <laughs> and that to us was just completely well. God knows what was going on. I mean, he did. He, in fairness to Hayden, he got a couple of balls into the box, um, but it, to me, it just smacked of like. Players not knowing what they were what they were supposed to be doing. Hayden will always give a hundred percent. I'm sure of that, no matter which manner he's playing for. But at the end of the day, like like we've just said, you know, <clears throat> you, 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 to put the effort, you got to, you, you need tactics backing that up. You can't just you can't just go out there and say, right, lads, we're going to give a hundred percent. You've got you've got to have a game plan. And you know, during the match, you know, I think Bruce said after the match, like something like, um, you know, there was glaring mistakes there that were obvious during the game. Well. 
any any other competent Premier League manager would have changed something during the match. You know that Norman, you 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 picked up quite early that uh, their number ten, Light is it Leitner? He he was just floating around. He was going wherever there was space. He was picking the ball up. Um, that would have been fairly easy to stop just by highlighting that to the players on the pitch. And to be fair, like I think Shelby did pick up on that himself, and he just started as the game went on. He did try to close down that space that that Leitner was getting, but. You know that, that's something. You know, us as fans, like you know, we don't claim to be football managers. We don't have that, you know, knowledge and experience. But we could see that from the stands. And if 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 Steve Bruce could see that from the touchline, he's either chose to do nothing about it, or the players haven't listened to his instructions. Because to me, that that was one of the most obvious things he could have done to stop Norwich's creativity. You know, Lightner was he was he was coming right back into his back. Uh, back four to pick the ball up. He was getting in between the defence and the midfield. He was getting forward between the midfield and the forwards. He was just everywhere. And we needed someone on him closing down the space. Now, did Bruce see that and just do nothing about it? Or did he not see it? Because either way, it it doesn't look good, I, I don't think. Chris, I'm interested in your take. And I'll put Steve Bruce's quotes to you now because... Well, me, Chris, you know, I'm going to put to you about how good Norwich were, and I'm not trying to do the three cheers for Norwich thing, but uh, you know, it, it, you do sometimes have to give the opposition some credit. You know, but here's Steve, Steve Bruce's quotes from after the match. I've sourced these from the excellent NUFC.com. Uh, it was difficult and hugely disappointing, the manner of it, with and without the ball. We certainly do enough, and we, ha- we certainly didn't do enough, and we have to improve. It was the basics. We didn't do enough. This is what has really disappointed me. If I knew the answer to why, then of course I would have changed something. They're not bad players but you have to apply yourself better than we did today. And in the same quotes, I can't question the desire. Nobody was not trying. Maybe we just got caught up in Norwich's first home game. You know, I'm really struggling here with Steve Bruce, and, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the reaction to him and how you know how much fans have played, if, any, if anything, in this difficult start of the season. And, and Newcastle are once again in the media for the wrong reasons as a, as a support through no, no fault of our own, I'll, I'll add. But, you know, you've, you've got people here, Chris, you've just heard them say, you've just heard Rob talk about, Rob's identified from the stands, the fact that we're playing with two right-wing backs and we're, we're playing with Kraft, who's playing in a five-man defence, and you've got Hayden deep, but also covering the right wing. And then you've got Steve Bruce saying that we didn't do the basics. And this is interesting for me because Steve Bruce has already called out his players. We're in game two of the season, and Steve Bruce has just called out his players there for not doing enough. And it's almost like you could just throw away that line about it wasn't anybody not trying. Well, everything you've said, Steve, and the rest of it, is that they haven't they haven't done enough without the ball, which which is the bait, and he says it himself. They're the basics. Like, Chris, you know, from your perspective of the game, where does the, the fault lie in this defeat? Because regardless of what Bruce is saying there about nobody didn't try, I think he's clearly putting this defeat on the players. Yeah, I think it's more so down to a poor performance by us than an outstanding performance by Norwich. I mean, make no bones about it. They, they were good, and Farker did a total number on Bruce. But this is a side in Norwich that have come up from the championship, and yeah, they're buoyed, and you could really hear the crowd. They were really up for it, as, as you would expect. Um, but, you know, a, a side and players have played in the Premier League for the last couple of years should have the experience, the now, and you would hope um, a degree of kind of tactical understanding still uh, from Rafa that they'd be able to handle a recently promoted side whose striker, um, you know, was is being lauded as uh, the best free transfer ever in the Premier League. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not good enough. And 
you gave there, you could hear uh, Steve Bruce throwing up his arms. And I think, as you rightly say, you know, throwing the, the players under the bus, because that's what he's doing here, um, after two games is uh, a damning indictment of his total, um, you know, the fact that he's out of his depth here. Yeah, and yeah, you use the word out, out of his depth, and we are going to come on to the manager and, and, and talk about all of that. But I'm just kind of interested, you know, Chris, are, are Norwich our relegation rivals this season? Are they better than that? Yeah. Were they comfortably better than us? Or did you see a set of Norwich players out there who were hardworking, well-trained, well-drilled, and won the game because of Newcastle's farcical formation, performance, lack of effort off the ball, whatever, however Bruce wants to put it? Or do you think actually... This is a Norwich side that will be more of a Wolves last uh, next season or this season, sorry, than a Cardiff. No, I mean I think you know they are well drilled, but there is a kind of a limit to their ability, and I think that they they were feeding off the crowd and the kind of good feeling and and, and the very positive kind of morale in the camp. Um, I think when we get to May um, or sooner, you know they are going to be down there with us, and I very much see them as relegation um, rivals. Um, I mentioned about Farker and you know his his tactical setup and how he really did a number there, but they're, they're a team that seemed relaxed uh, and a team that I think in the game the other day were allowed to perform at their the top end of their ability. Now, obviously, as we saw last week against Liverpool, and I think we'll see further down the line. You know, they are going to come unstuck. I think more often than uh, they kind of do a number on other teams. Um, so yeah, they, they're going to be among it. I mean. Pookie has set himself up for a, a decent season, but I don't think he's going to be kind of a 30-goal striker um, come kind of nine months' time. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to be down down there with us, but this really doesn't kind of uh, set, set us very kind of confidently up for that relegation scrap because that is where we are this season, um, not being able to you know, take on Norwich in a competitive manner. Rob, Joe Linton, uh, two games in. Come off with a supposed hip injury, which Steve Bruce is saying needs an X-ray, so that's not good. Considering Carol and Gale aren't fit, forty million pounds, a lot of money, a lot of pressure. Twenty-two years old, first season in the Premier League. What have you made from him? Uh, you know, overall, how, how did he perform on on Saturday? Because he's picked up a lot of criticism. Yeah, he has picked up a lot of criticism, and I think it, it's 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 a bit well, it's pretty harsh on the lad. Really, it's, it's his second match in the Premier League in, in, in a pretty poor team. Um, He's got to be given time to, to to bed in and get used to the system. That well, <laughs> maybe he needs to figure out the system that we're playing like the other players do. Um, but he, he does need to be given time. Strikers thrive off confidence. He, the last thing he needs at the minute for you know a young lad coming into a new country in a new league is for the fans to be getting on his back. And he just sort of you sort of look at the situation and you you, you think like he's, he's probably getting some stick because. A lot, a lot of the stick you'll be getting is is because it's like a a, a diversion of the hatred towards Charnley and Ashley. Um, they're the ones who, well, Charnley's the one who's, who's brought him into the club. Um, and I think you know people are sort of overlooking that fact a little bit and being too too quick to to judge him. I mean, two games is nothing, is it? I mean, he, he could he potentially could score four goals in the next two games. You just don't, you just don't know in football. But I'd love him to. But I mean, who knows? But um, it, it's too early to judge. It, it, in terms of his, in his performance yesterday, I thought um, you know he, he was lacking a lot of support. That's probably due, down to this different system that we're playing with the three central midfielders. You, you know, Rondon last season had Perez and Almiron around him, whereas 
Joe Linton finds himself with just Almer on there behind him, so that could, that could be possibly a, a contributing factor to, the, to why he was maybe not able to lay the ball off to some of his teammates. But uh, he, was, he was, I thought he, was, he had a couple of good touches, but unfortunately, generally looked a little bit clumsy when the ball came forward to him. He lost possession a lot. Um, but again, you know, it, first of all, is he fully fit? Um, he is still getting used to the league and. It was a difficult game. I mean, Norwich Norwich set up well. They, they obviously knew what to expect from Joe Linton, and uh, they, they they handled him quite easily. To be honest, um, I, I just really hope that you know he does get a goal soon. If, if as long as he can get back in the team, if he's if he isn't injured, he, he needs a goal to, to to kick on from. And um, I really just hope that you know fans don't start getting on his back uh, too early because I think that would be that would just be really harsh on the lad to be honest Norman I know you had a few things to say about uh, Joe Linton's performance and the fan criticism uh, your thoughts on what, what Rob said and the wider question I agree Rob I, don't, I think criticising Joe Linton is it's utterly unjustified um, he, he had a poor game but nobody else had a decent game everyone else had a poor game um, as Rob says this is his second game in the Premier League he's 22 years old and he's having to carry the weight of a player last season in Salomon Rondon, who not only netted double figures in terms of goals, is, you know, seven or eight years more experienced than him in terms of his career, has played four, has played four seasons in the Premier League, um, knew the league inside out, knows how, you know, certain teams, certain defenders, knows what to expect, speaks the language. Joe Linton doesn't speak the language. He's coming from Hoffenheim. He's never scored 10 goals in his career across the course of a season. He's a young lad. He's not supposed to be... Um, leading the line in a side that is going to be battling against relegation. And additionally, you know, the gap between Joe Linton and the midfielders was, you know, it was a, it was a chasm. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have any support. He didn't have any support. And the reason he didn't have any support is because Miguel Almiron didn't have any kind of positional definition. Almiron looked utterly lost as well, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard that, that you know, Almiron gets similar kind of stick because we know Almiron's a good player and we just know that at the moment it's not working for him because he hasn't necessarily been utilised the way that he ought to be, he's at best position, and it's the same, it's the same with Joe Linton. He's, he's just he's been stuck up top on his own, not speaking a word of the language with pretty much zero support. I mean, I, I can't, I can't criticise a lot at all. He's got, you know, he, he's got potential, but that's all it is. It's potential, and in order to realise potential, you have to give it support. You have to be patient. You have to, um, you have to do, you have to do the correct kind of coaching. And you know, to, to blame him after two games having a poor game, I mean, it's it's un, it's unnecessary and. It's, and it's really unhelpful for the young lad as well, I think. Well said. Paul, I'm keen, before we move on to the wider context to Steve Bruce and his um, difficult start, you know, you're a veteran of Norwich, Norwich City away. Um, <laughs> I'm talking purely from, from trips. You know, how, how bad is this compared to what you've seen or have you seen worse from Newcastle and Norwich? Um, I've been, been three times. I've seen two losses and an outage draw. Um the first one was the 2011, we lost 4-2. Um, sort of expected a difficult uh, time with the injuries to that back line and the, for that game. But uh, come away, not doing too badly in Denver, scoring two goals. So I, I, don't, I can't say that this one's uh, worse than that one. But, um, so sorry, sorry, that's it. uh, it's definitely worse than uh, than that one. And then now each, uh, we played really well and, uh, until uh, Remy got sent off in the last 10 minutes. Um I remember that one for uh, Kabai leaving the team hotel to sign for PSG, so it was just a bit of a blow. And 
And uh, cold January, watching an outie throw down Carroll Road, it's uh, it's pretty rough. But uh, yesterday was pretty awful. Um, I think we've covered some of it. Um, no plans, players not. Sometimes at times not looking bothered. Um, little player conferences in the middle of the pitch and that, and it's just kind of reminds uh, me of uh, sides uh, in the past where the manager's coming to the end of his reign, not at the beginning. <laughs> um, it, I got the same sort of feeling when I was uh, I went to Man City away when we got to be three now on Sunes's last game. Um, it was just a sick feeling of the pit of your stomach. You just say, like, "Oh, what am I doing?" And then you're looking around, and you've got like. Uh, like young kids in the, in, in your way end, and I was like, "Is this what what, what we're serving up? That easy now?" And it's not really ins- that inspiring. Um, and I probably I probably also compare it to where the four one against Man U with Cardiff. Um, it was just like just again that just a horrible horrible feeling, and and, and it, it's up there with with them for me. And um, I mean, despite the the, the, cra- the cracking weekend I had, it's just uh, it's it's not good enough. Um, a lot of pe- a lot of people spend a lot of money and a lot of time going down to watch the lads. Um, that we end, I was right at the back. It was like it was it was half empty by the time uh, by the time Shelby had scored. Um, and that was like the the lowest lowest uh, reaction I've probably probably ever experienced like from a Newcastle goal. Um, I mean Shelby running back and pointing the way end. I was like, are you joking? He's there. Uh, you went missing for half of it. And I was just like. It just made us pissed off. I was, like, I was like, right, that's it. I'm away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a look at the canals and uh, not gonna jump in. I'm just gonna have, uh, have myself in a few pints and try and forget about the what I've just witnessed. Um, so yeah, in terms of uh, my my experiences down there, it's probably football and wides. It's probably the worst I've I've seen. Chris, what was the away end like? Uh, was there much stuff directed towards the the manager? Was was it very you know was it supportive? Tell, tell the listeners what it was like in that away end at Carroll Road. I think for the first few minutes, it was uh, fairly, I wouldn't say positive, but kind of let's wait and see what happened. But as soon as uh, Norwich started impressing themselves on the game, and as soon as that first goal went in, you know, you could hear kind of what the fuck is going on. Not from Bruce this time. So he got that back in spades. And Paul's completely right with what happened towards the end. You know, that third goal when it went in, there's people filing for the exits and it was, it's pretty uh, first of all upsetting to see that, and then the Norwich fans, as you would, jumping on that uh, and uh, and celebrating uh, our, our fans leaving. So yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't the best away end. I mean, no one was being kind of really outrageous with it, but I mean, as we've discussed, um, you know, I think completely justified uh, to have that kind of that disappointed and frustrated reaction. Um, I don't think it ever got kind of too personal uh, from where I was, um, but yeah, not not a good day in the stands. And that's interesting that you said it hasn't really got personal, Bruce. And this is, I want to move the, the conversation on now. Today, Steve Bruce, the narrative is that it's, he's walked into a world of negativity. He's only been here a month or five weeks or whatever it is. And what what is he supposed to do? Who could replace Rafa? All this kind of stuff. And his comments are very interesting as well. And one of the things which is really interesting is none of this stuff that has been aimed at Steve Bruce has happened in real life. It's all online. So Luke Edwards is, and you know, Luke was on the show last week, and hopefully he'll be on again. But his, you know, comments today and his piece about, you know, never known anything like it in Northeast football. It, you know, does Steve Bruce sit online and talk troll through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube? I fucking hope not. Like, I hope he's got far more important things to do than look at the likes of like, yeah, you know, whoever talk, even us talk shite about Newcastle. You know, 
I'd say, in fact, sold out away in Norwich, 2,000 seats. We would have sold out more if the club had taken the full allocation. They sold out about two weeks in advance. Questions there, to be answered. Um, you know, fair enough, boycott against Arsenal. Let's say there's 45,000 there. I think that's a kind of accepted figure. That's like 45,000 people turn up to watch you play football. How many how many clubs has he supported by 45,000 people? have turned up now yes the Magnums but only when Newcastle were in town so it's the same thing pretty much he's had 45,000 people turn up he's been handed this 40 million pound strike he's got the same squad pretty much that Rafa had bar the two strikers which yes you know would would be weaker in front of goal you'd think so but doesn't mean we'll have to be a shambles on the rest of the pitch in fact I think Steve Bruce has had it pretty easy so far from Newcastle United supporters I think Newcastle United supporters have been supportive 2,000 people wouldn't have travelled to Norwich the other end of the country if they weren't supportive and getting behind the manager what frustrates me as well, this constant referencing of Rafa, and Paul, you've said that we've got to move on and we might do it. And I think you're right, and that's what we keep being told, that we have got to move on as a support. Why is Lee Charney continually talking about it? Matchday programme notes, speaking to the Chronicle, talking about Rafa Benitez. Mike Ashley speaks to the press, speaks to the world through the Daily Mail. Who does he talk about? Rafa Benitez. Steve Bruce at the weekend. I haven't actually seen this quote. It was it was on the Chronicle's Twitter feedback. I haven't actually seen it, but I'm going to trust its legitimacy and he says they didn't win 10 of their first 11 or something like that last year. I don't think I'll be afforded that. And it's like, well, quite right, Steve, because you said at the start of the season you were going to move things on, you were going to progress things. You got money this season that Rafa Benitez could have only dreamt of last season. You're supposed to be the next level. That's what you describe yourself as. In addition, it's not just about, oh, well, Steve Bruce, he's, he's bound to fail. If you win football matches, people will get behind you. Like I can't put it any any simpler than that and we said this on the, the podcast last week and I said it previously and we'll probably say it the next three or four weeks if we don't pick a win just win some fucking games not stop moaning and you know people through the media saying you know I think it was Tony Cascarino at the time saying Newcastle United fans are normally the 12th man but they're not at the minute like what more can we do do you know what I mean if we, if, if the fans at Norwich had sang a bit louder would would, would not have been a defensive shambles would, would Newcastle not have been overloaded on the left hand side like what the fuck is their main striker, Pookie, constantly on one-on-one with Matt Ritchie for, who can't defend. These are things that I want Steve Bruce to comment on, not about getting the same time as Rafa Benitez. We can't give him a chance. It's not about us or anyone listening. He has got the chance. It's not if the ch- if the fans had given him a chance. You know, If he goes and beats Watford next time out and Newcastle play well, or even if Newcastle play well and draw, or get a, you know, concede the last-minute goal, he'd always get people complaining. It's football. He's been in it for four decades, as he keeps telling everybody. You'd think he'd know that. I'm just already starting to get very tired of the of the narrative that there's this negativity surrounding the club, which there is, and that is responsible. Negativity hasn't caused Steve Bruce to pick three central midfielders, which seems explicit and like you know unexplainable. Mm. It hasn't caused Isaac Hayden to play on the right wing of midfield and be the main source of crosses into the box. It hasn't caused Paul Dummett to put in a poor performance on Saturday. Like. Just go and win some football matches. Stop, stop moaning about Rafa Benitez and stop, stop trying to say that, it, that you know it's the fans. It was always going to be our fault. Do you know what I mean? It, it, that that's how it is, and it's, it was always going to be our fault. I mean, you know, interested, Rob. What do you think about all this? Do you think that Bruce has got us onto something? <laughs> um, oh, it's. I think first of all, it's quite clear that um, Steve Bruce's. He's not a very. He's not good at uh, choosing his words for the media, is he? Like you say, he does contradict himself a lot. And um, I think one of the one of the worst things he said was he said about. Um, I'm not reading this. I'm just doing it from memory. I th- he said uh, we'll go away and see if we can improve. Like yeah. if we can improve. <laughs> no, what you, what you should be. Is we'll we'll go back. We'll work on it, and we'll we'll come back stronger next week. You know, like we'll we'll go to Tottenham and. Um, 
show a better performance. Not if. Like, why, why say if? That's <laughs> just, it's just, I couldn't believe it when I read it. And uh, it, it is worrying. Um, you, you just wonder, like, you just wonder already if he's starting to doubt himself. Is he going to start changing his um, formation? That'll be interesting if he does, because that that actually would worry me a little bit. I mean, as much as I don't agree with the system he's playing at the minute, if if he starts doubting his tactics so early on in the season, um, you know that, that that's never a good sign. I think it, it shows that the manager's in it, starting to doubt himself, and you know I think McLaren did that, and that's when he started changing things around. We just started failing, you know, to an even worse extent. So yeah. Um, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, what's going on behind the scenes in that dressing room? But I said, I said to the lads at half time in the stands, you know, like one nil down. If Rafa had been in there, at least, at least we would have been standing there in that away end with a little bit of hope that Rafa would be in that dressing room, sorting things out. You know, like he would have assessed things in the first half. He would have sat the players down and had them drilled and ready for the second half. He would have addressed the problems. He would have had specific instructions ready for each player coming out for that second half so you always had a little bit of hope with Rafa in the dressing room that we'd come out stronger in the second half but I, I just had visions of like the, the players sat around you know on the benches in the dressing room and fucking arguing with each other and like you know Steve Bruce trying to keep a lid on things and you know trying to trying to come up with the answers and just not just, just struggling struggling really badly and it doesn't paint a good uh, picture in your mind unfortunately um but that's that's what the players have now, and that's what that's what they've got to look up to. So, yeah, um, it, it's a pretty bleak picture, unfortunately. But that seems to be where we are at the minute, unfortunately. Paul, same thing to you, I suppose. You know, Rob's talking there about it looks pretty bleak. You've got a lot of people on social media now speculating when 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 will he be sacked? Those kind of things. And I think I think it was um, Chris War again and Woff in the uh, Athletic said no manager deserves to be judged on. 180 minutes of football and I find that I found that a bit annoying because we're not judging I can only speak to myself here no one is judging Steve Bruce as a football manager on 180 minutes of football they are judging the fact that his predecessors apart from Rafa Benitez were John Carver selected by Lee Charney and Steve McLaren selected by Lee Charney yes men or that's the, the allegation we're looking at his managerial career did he do a good job at Wigan in 2007 yes is it relevant to Newcastle United in 2019? In my opinion, of course not. So it's you know even you know local journalists like that writing for quite a you know a, a high profile publication are starting to say that he does you know he, he needs time, he deserves time. Would, would you go along with that, or do you think you know what this is fair enough? Actually, we've seen Newcastle have been shit for years, and we're, and as I think as the away end was saying, we're sick of it. Yeah, I was sick of it. Um, I think you you said uh, you're tired of something, like you're tired of the narrative and things like that, and. We're only five weeks in, in uh, Steve Bruce's reign and that, and it's just like reign, well, tenure, just appearance on the touchline, whatever. He's uh, He just seems to be getting these excuses in first or before anything's even happened. And it's like, it's it's, it's so defeatist. Um, it's not inspiring. And it's like, he seems to be also trying to keep everyone happy, um, which is just, yeah, you're setting yourself up for a fail straight away. Um but I think people have seen what he's done over the last, say, 10 years in management, and it's not exactly... Well, it's not Super Cups and European Champions and all that kind of stuff, is it? So we're looking at yeah, we're looking at that level that we had before with the likes of um, Carver and things like that. And, but but like, like you say, he wins a few games. Oh, 
people will get will certainly get behind it. Look, Alan Pardew had it, you know, and then look the way it ended. Neymar wants Pardew back now, though, do they? It's like, but I think <laughs> he's asking for people to give give uh, give him a chance, and he needs to give himself a chance because they. At the minute, he's just coming across as a beaten man, and we're talking about two games in, and it's uh, it's not it's not good enough. It's just uh, he's almost playing playing the feeling sorry for himself sort of card, and it's just uh, get just get on with your job, mate, and just crack on. Um, I mean, I mean, it's easier said than done, like, but um, let's let's just start trying to win some bloody games. I mean, having that that whole setup with three centre backs and then three centre midfielders and two full backs. What what's that? That's like what I've just named like. Seven positions on the pitch or something, if not more. Eight. I still thought we we're going to concede before we kicked off. <laughs> so you need to get it sorted. And then if you know what it is, if you lean on 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 how Rafa set up for a bit, anyone would anyone would have any questions. It would just be like, well, it works, so use it. But are we waiting until you know he, he wins it his way? And it's like it'll be by total chance if it, if it does happen if, the way we're going because there's just gaping holes in that midfield and. We're just getting exploited, and I do feel for uh, the, the lad up front, Joe Linton. And he's like, he's such a young lad, and we're back to this: giving two two young strikers like all the weight in the world to try and keep up in the league. We had that with Mitrovic and Perez, and look how that sort of uh, turned out. I think, um, but yeah, he just needs to sort of he needs to pull his bloody socks up, if you ask me, um, and just get on with the job that he's been given the chance to do. Um, and didn't worry about all the rest of it because all the rest of it will it'll look after itself with results. Um, so, but we'll see see how long he uh, how long he's in the job though because um, if it keeps going the way it is, it's, 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 it's there's only one there's only one answer to it, and that that'll be you'll be getting peddled, and, uh, and then you've got like quite a section of the crowd that's uh, that's quite happily to be right, proven right, but. He's got to give you. He's, let's say he's got to give himself a chance before before he starts asking for chances of other people. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah, people want to be proved right, but every single person going to Castle games, I'm sure every single person that I went on Saturday wanted the team not to be shit. <laughs> wanted to celebrate some goals that. and celebrate a win and enjoy the journey <clears> home. This kind of oh well, people people are desperate to be proved right. I don't actually see it. Yes, people on social media are saying like they're not. It's, it's not. It shouldn't be a consideration for a Premier League football manager. Not. You know, I can't see Pep Guardiola or even Eddie Howe thinking. Well, you know, we're put a day, but Christ, I'm getting on Twitter. Like, who gives a shit? It, does, it literally doesn't matter. And, and and I think you've said it really well there, Paul. That like he's starting to feel a bit sorry for himself, and he's saying, "Oh well, I will I get the same time as Rafa?" It's like, as a manager, don't even contemplate not winning for eleven games. It shouldn't even be in, in the fucking like. Yeah. Thought process like, well, I wonder what the reaction will be like if we do it in the first eleven games. Like, no, nah. like it'll be really bad. It was bad for Rafa. It wasn't like last season; everything was fine. It wasn't like anything just bobbed along serenely, and we're just like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. You had people kicking off. You had people booing, leaving the Brighton game early, slagging the player. It was, you know, it, it, it would probably be worse this time, but it wasn't good. It wasn't like why why is Steve Bruce automatically comparing himself to Rafa Benitez? First run, just because it was in, in like the same months, I just I'm yeah. I'm losing the will yet to be honest with you. But like, Chris, you know, I'm gonna leave the final word with you, Chris. Is there anything that you've seen from the, this team in the first two games that suggests to you it's going to get better? I think what Paul says about having to give himself a chance is completely right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too early to worry about going down. I've seen very little in that side and in the way that it's set up. Uh, to make me confident uh, in any way that everything is going to be all right. 
I know that's really defeatist and negative, but um, based on that performance and particularly the second half against Arsenal, um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And you just kind of do worry at what point it gets, unfortunately, terminal. And we've seen before from Mike Ashley and the powers that be that they don't necessarily act quickly or decisively when it's needed. Uh, and that does make me worry for the season and where we're going to end up in May. Well said. And, you know, uh, we're going to have lots more chat this week on our Patreon page, uh, me and the lads and Charlotte. Uh, talk about Newcastle United non-stop. We've got nothing better to do with the time. We'd love it if you fancied listening for about seven quid a month. Seven quid? Aye, oh, seven quid a month. Um, and, yeah, we'll have uh, the Spurs preview tactic show this week, as well as uh, we've got yourself, Chris, and Norman, uh, and Bolland at, uh, at Spurs next week from the away end. The Match Day podcast recorded from the away end. Was a great listen this week. Give you a real, give me a real sense of how the game went. Wasn't the most upbeat podcast. I'm not lying. Neither, neither has this been. Welcome to Newcastle United in 2019, lads. Thank you so much for your time, uh, listeners. We appreciate it. Back with you for a free podcast this time next week after we uh, give Spurs a much better game. Hopefully, <laughs> cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.